I've been waiting 23 years to say that. And here we are, back again. This is the second episode of the FBI's Most Unwanted X-Files podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And you bitches better start using your mouths on the playground more and make some make motherfucking some money. Mo- <laughs> yes. Make us some real motherfucking you money. You want a lunchbox? I'll get you a lunchbox. Here's $100. If Stan comes near me, <laughs> punch him. <laughs> Ah, oh, man. You know what? We could almost start a... Th- Even though we always on Two Broke Geeks talk about South Park. A we third could have one of a just third, South Park. Yep, of just rewatching. We could have a third entirely South Park podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh man. We'd have to have more time in our lives to be able to do that. This is why fun. everyone needs to give us money. Give us some motherfucking money. Give us some motherfucking money. I'll restart our Patreon, goddammit. Yes. Or we'll just head out to the... Oh, wait, I was I was just about to say something that sounded really inappropriate because I just realized that we're not actually the ages of butters. I was about yeah, to say, or I could just head out to... I could head out to the playground and find some bitches to start kissing boys behind the... What was it? Behind the... Uh, behind the playground or whatever. Yeah, there was like a little shed out there or something. Anyway, we're not here to talk about South Park. We're here to talk about the X-Files. And uh, we're going to talk about... Season 1, Episode 2, titled Deep Throat. Giggity! Yeah, speaking of uh, girls doing some kissing on the playground. Oh, wait, that's not what this episode's (laughs) about. Hang on, wait. Wait, did I watch... Shit. Did you watch this movie with this woman whose clitoris was in the back of her throat? Because... I may have gotten confused about what we were watching. (laughs) I watched many films that may have been something like that. Okay, documentaries, right? I mean, things that uh, yes, really yes. definitely okay. Things that definitely really happen. No, no, no. Yes. This episode is uh, called Deep Throat, <coughs> um, which is the name of a character, obviously based on the real life person who uh, broke open the Watergate scandal. Uh, important character that gets epi- uh, introduced this episode, even though they don't actually call him Deep Throat in this episode. That comes later, but. Uh, this episode originally aired September 17th, 1993, directed by Daniel Sackheim and written by series creator Chris Carter. And also, we'll get to it, but a very recognizable guest star in this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I guess we'll just jump right into it right here. Uh, won't do any, we'll do our regular, regular, this is our second episode, but if you listen to our first episode, you know what I'm talking about, we'll break it down, uh, piece by piece, and here we go, with the, uh, cold open, happened, uh, little thing comes up on screen, says we are near Ellen's Air Base in southwest Idaho, and we see some, uh, military police, they're storming a house, And while they're storming the house, a woman runs up, says, you know, that's my house. That's my house. Let me through. 
and she finds out that her husband has violated base security protocol, stolen a vehicle, and is believed armed. And while the MPs are searching in the house, they find this soldier uh, in a room by himself in a corner, just shaking in his underwear, and he's covered in a mysterious rash or burns. We don't really quite know what it is just yet, but it definitely is not late-stage syphilis. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that was part of it, but all right, yes. No, that, that's, that's not part of it. That's a joke. I was, I was, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to a something earlier uh where they were talking about it was uh it was a story about a haunting and the guy that supposedly was uh seeing the ghosts actually had late stage syphilis which uh makes you have sores and stuff but also makes you have hallucinations so okay that's why that was on my brain i apologize for that um anyway then it goes right into the very famous x-files theme song written by mark snow who does all the music for the series and this series has some pretty good music but nothing like that theme song all right i'll just keep going then <laughs> i was just, yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to have... Oh, I'll just keep going. Uh, so then the theme ends, you know, the credits and everything. And we are in Washington, D.C. And we see Scully in a bar. And this is the first time, you know, the, the starring guest stars, the, the, you know, credits are still playing over the scene. And we see the name Seth Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, uh. I saw that and I was just like... I, and this came out... Around the same time as like Buffy, right? Or was this before Buffy? Because I know he was um, on Buffy. 1993, probably around. I'm not a Buffy person. Me either. Uh, I just knew he was on Buffy. Yeah, this is also pre-Austin Powers. Yes. Austin Powers is when Seth Green really hit. And this isn't too far after the It miniseries either. Let me see just real quick. I know what year it was. And I honestly am completely blanking. But it actually surprising. Yeah, it's only three years after Seth Green starred in the It miniseries as Richie Tozier. So he looks pretty different considering only three years have gone by. It's very true, yeah. Yeah. But he's later in the episode. He's not in this scene. We're not talking about him yet. Yes. I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring it up because that was when you see that he's going to be in the episode. Anyway, uh, Mulder shows up in the bar, says he has something to show Scully, and that they need to go get a table. And as they pan past uh, the bar, as Mully and Scully, uh, Mully and Scalder, yeah, that was going to work out real well. Scully and Mulder. <laughs> go to get their table the camera comes to rest on a man kind of looking pretty interested in what um, Mulder and Scully are up to and such a cliche like at that time like it has become such a like thing no kidding right yeah it's just like oh obviously this guy is involved in some way it's like it's same it's the same with most like um what was I watching? Like a movie I just, a really cheesy movie I just watched where it's the same thing. It's like, we got to go to a booth because no one's going to pay attention to us in a booth. Then they pan to someone else at the bar and it's just like mm -hmm. the like over the top of the newspaper or like 
I mean, he just kind of even, like, does the little half turn and, like, does something with his eyebrows. Yeah, it's just like, come on. It's like, oh, he's not important or anything. Nothing subtle there. Nothing subtle. Just some random dude Mm -hmm. they like to take. They're like, okay, we need you to look suspicious. Mm -hmm. Also in this scene, we start to get a better hint of um, kind of... Mulder's sarcastic sense of humor because he says something to Scully about uh, can I buy you a drink and she says at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and he kind of does like a little turn of his head and goes doesn't seem to be bothering the rest of these people yeah, or doesn't seem to stop the rest of these people or whatever it is he said but um, as the series goes on they give Mulder some pretty good funny lines he uh, has a sense of humor even though it's pretty dry Uh, but I like dry humor so who am I to say? Anyway, uh, they go, they get their table, and Mulder says, you know, this is Colonel Robert Budahas. He's a test pilot. He was hospitalized four months ago for a mysterious ailment, and the Air Force won't say what he has. In fact, the Air Force won't say anything about Colonel Budahas at all. Uh, because Mrs. Budahas has reported that she has not seen or heard from her husband in four months. The military won't give her any answers, and so she's called the FBI to report her husband as kidnapped by the military. Yeah. Which is something you don't really think about, but I suppose the military could technically kidnap somebody. I mean, I guess. Mm. Different branch. I would say at the end they kidnapped. What's that? I mean, there's like different branch. I don't see why not. Yeah. Although, not to skip ahead, but technically, I guess Mulder was... I don't know. I don't know what to call... I guess Mulder was maybe kidnapped? I don't know. Hard to say, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah. And uh, Mulder goes on to say that since 1963, six uh, pilots have been listed as missing in actions right from missing in action right from Ellen's Air Force base which is like I said at the top of the episode right in Idaho like there shouldn't be any action going on for them to be reported missing but the military says that the pilots accepted the risk of flying experimental aircraft which is to imply that maybe their planes just exploded or something yeah creepy and weird hints at uh, what might be going on. Uh, Mulder says he's been tracking this one particular case, but has found out that it was mysteriously shelved without any investigation happening at all. And so that they're going to be going to Idaho to try and figure out what happened to Colonel Budahas. And he says he's got to go to the bathroom and he goes in and, you know, he uses the bathroom and is washing his hands like a good boy. And, the man from the real the mystery what's that the real mystery why he always washes his hands <laughs> the real mystery why does he wash his hands who washes their hands after yes. using the bathroom god but then it's even creepier because he's standing there washing his hands and he looks up and there's a man just standing behind him and he sees him in the mirror and the man's locked to the bathroom door so it's just the two of them in the bathroom you sexy yeah, and uncomfortable and weird. But the man from the bar says he doesn't do anything creepy. He's not there to, like, assault Mulder. He just says, leave the case alone. And Mulder, of course, doesn't want to leave the case alone. But the man says, you know, I can help you. I'm in a position to know a lot. 
and you and Scully are being exposed to a lot of unnecessary risk. You need to just leave this alone. And Mulder just, of course, says, nope. So the man goes, all right. And he leaves the restroom and Mulder tries to run after him. But there's somebody out there who's probably been wondering why two men were locked in this bathroom together. And (laughs) Mulder, you know, is held up by that guy. And by the time he gets out, the mysterious man is gone. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, I got to keep that up. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no sound effects, just that. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So now it's uh, going to FBI headquarters where Scully is looking at microfiche. Remember microfiche? Oh, man, microfiche. Yeah. Gives, Back in the to, day. Yeah, I never had to look it up too much. We were born kind of like right at the end of that. Uh, and went to or, you know went to school kind of right at the end of that, but I remember it making me dizzy if I scrolled to, if I scrolled through it really fast. Yeah, it was just like yeah, you ha- I had to do it like extremely slow, otherwise I kind of would just get a weird like motion sickness. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Scully finds out that of course Ellen's Air Force Base is a UFO hotspot, and that supposedly the military experiments with alien technology there and. Oh boy, that doesn't sit well with Scully. She, uh, we now we see Mulder in his apartment, and his phone is ringing. Turns out it's Scully calling to yell at him that Mulder didn't bring up any UFOs when he was talking about Colonel Budahas possibly being kidnapped. And then there is the telltale click on the line that in movies and TV shows lets you know this phone is being tapped. Somebody's listening. So Mulder goes to the window, and there's a strange man in an unmarked van. Gotta love me a good unmarked van. More, yeah, I mean, I know this episode was, like, because this episode is like has some weird, like, basis of, like, kind of doing the whole, like, because it kind of mocks slash uh, mirrors a little bit from the Watergate uh, mm-hmm. scandal and stuff. So the weird kind of sort of realistic of like the phone tapping and stuff like that is an interesting little like nuance throughout this kind of episode. Yeah. uh, About UFOs and paranormal activity. The only way, though, on movies and TV, a van could be more conspicuous than sitting in one place being completely unmarked is for that van to say free candy on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're going to be doing some covert activities, at least maybe, like, put on the side of your van, like, plumbing or electrical company or something. Don't just sit there in that big van with no marking on it at all. And not not to have the driver just stare directly at the window <laughs> the entire yes. time. Just sitting he's not even doing anything he could have had a magazine he could have pretended to be asleep anything instead of just staring intensely at the place that they're that they're checking out yep man although it would have been pretty funny if that van had said free candy on the side of it if they ever do another another reboot there's always the chance yep they can listen to us yeah Anyway, after uh, Mulder says, wait, Scully, can't can't talk on this line. 
I'll talk to you on the plane. It uh, goes, the next scene is in Idaho, and Mulder and Scully go to see Mrs. Budahas, and she says her husband started getting a rash a few months back, but they thought because they were doing a lot of home renovation, maybe he was having some sort of reaction to the plaster in the walls or something. But then he started to act really weird, like sprinkling fish food flakes on his food like it was seasoning and getting angry when anybody tried to talk to him and stuff like that. Uh, so Mulder is curious. He goes, well, do you know of anybody else that something like this has happened to? And she says, yep, sure have. And we go to a scene in another house where there is a man tying a fishing fly using his own hair. Find it is... interesting that in both these instances it involves something around fish or fishing. Mm, mm-hmm. Yep. It was a popular everyman kind of thing to portray on TV that But I mean like even the fact that like this guy was putting a lure together using his hair. Mm-hmm. As well as the other guy, like she reports, like he was putting fish food oh, over yeah. his food. Good point. Didn't think of that. Hmm. And it turns out uh, this man has been like this for a while. His wife uh, says that the military says his condition is explained by quote unquote stress. And. Scully, as they're leaving the house, says to Mulder, yeah, this is a real thing. Like, it's a real reaction to extreme stress. They've studied it in zoo animals, and Mulder's like, come on. Test pilots aren't zoo animals. And uh, Scully says, have you ever heard of the Aurora Project? It's a surveillance project where a special kind of suborbital craft was being flown over the United States, maybe these men were flying one of those and it just got to them keeping the secret. And Mulder says, nope, nope, this is a decorated test pilot. He doesn't just lose his mind. And so they do this a lot, Mulder and Scully. They go back and forth where Scully goes, here's these rational answers. And Mulder just goes, no, no, it's this crazy thing over here, I promise. Yeah, I, I like that This we start seeing more and more of that as part mm-hmm. of as like their relationship as it builds just like no no it's this crazy whatever you think it's not it totally is uh kind of yep. aspect i do i do always i did find it a little suspicious too like as they're leaving the wife of the second of of the fishing lure guy like whispers it's like you had to bring the fbi to my doorstep like mm-hmm. like she's kind of feels like she's in in on whatever's happening or whatever right Good point. Yeah, because at the end, uh, not to jump around too much, but at the end, we do find out that probably this happens to Mrs. Budahas as well. Like, yeah. she's going to end up being the type of person that doesn't want to talk to the FBI. Um, so anyway, uh, we find out now that Mulder and Scully are trying to talk to anybody within the Air Force and nobody will talk to them. But Mulder says, oh, we can have, or uh, Scully says, we can have an appointment with this guy, Colonel Kissel, a week from Friday or something like that. And 
Mulder goes, yeah, of course, a week from Friday. And he grabs the phone book and he says, what'd you say the guy's name was? Kissel? So they just go what to his stupid house. stupid last name. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me of uh, Ben Kissel from last podcast on the left. But I mean, um, he's fine. He, he That guy's cool. But Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so they go to his house instead and they show up and he's there and he goes, nope, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Which is what you'd pretty much expect from a military guy trying to hide something. And then a reporter shows up and he tries to get Mulder and Scully to like talk about what they're investigating. And they, of course, don't want to. They aren't allowed to. That's part of their job. And the reporter guy goes, well, you know, there's a lot of UFO nuts around. And Mulder goes, oh, really? Where can we find some of these UFO nuts? And they go to a diner called the Flying Saucer, which is decorated with pictures of UFOs. And um, the lady behind the counter is saying, oh, look, uh, I took this picture of a UFO. I'll sell you a copy for 20 bucks. Uh, And Mulder buys it because he's Mulder. And Scully calls him a sucker. And (laughs) uh, (coughs) excuse me. And. And uh, Mulder says to her, well, what are the chances of someone like me seeing a UFO? And Scully goes, nope, I'm out. I'll meet you outside. (laughs) And she leaves. And uh, outside, she's looking at a map. And she can't even find Ellen's Air Force Base on her map. And Mulder, she mentions it to Mulder. And Mulder goes, yeah, I know. Let's go. We're leaving. And she goes, wait a minute. What do you mean you know? And he goes, because I've got my own map. And it turns out the lady that owned the diner drew him a little map on a napkin on how to get there. Um, so they really want to hide if they're not even on the map. Yeah. So something's going on. And they get out there and we see the you know typical... You know, we think of Area 51, but the sign that says restricted area, no photography, yada, yada, yada. But they drive in anyway, and there's a big fence, and there's a hill, and Scully's pretty mad at Mulder. She says to him, you know, what are we doing here? If Did we really seriously only come out here to look for UFOs? Because this is going to look really bad on my field report, uh, because that's what she's worried about she wants to look good and Mulder doesn't care about looking good at his job or whatnot even just though wants to be, get the truth out there to whatever just, is going on yep he just wants to find the truth and so it cuts to nighttime and Scully's sleeping in the car and this part is kind of like like if this happened in real life you'd be scared because she's just sleeping and then there's a loud rumbling noise and there's kind of a light and she wakes up and just the rear window of her car shatters right out. So that in real life would be kind of scary. Um, Mulder runs down to the car and he says to Scully, come on, you've got to see this. And they, Not, no, <clears throat> no talk of the fact that like the back window just blew up. No, none. None of that. Just he's too excited. He's just like, oh, you got to come check this out. Too excited. Didn't even notice. Doesn't even ask if she's okay. Yeah, just, none of that. Come on, you got to see this. And they run up and, I mean, he he's not kidding. It is something you got to see because they're watching these little balls of light just kind of flying all over the sky. And 
neither one of them can even begin to say what it might be. I mean, Scully puts out some kind of half-hearted attempt at saying maybe it's lasers being shined up into the sky and bouncing off clouds or something, but then the lights go straight up and they disappear. So they're like, whoa, we just saw that. And then Mulder says something about, well, here comes another one. And it turns out it's not another one. It's a helicopter looking for someone or something. And that's when we see two teenagers run out from the fence coming from the base trying to run away and Mulder and Scully follow them and it's a teenager a teenage boy and a teenage girl and the teenage boy Seth Green yeah yeah and um, so they uh, hide the kids from the uh, helicopter then they take them to the diner and uh, start questioning them about all the like how often why do you go there Mm -hmm. Uh, which I'm assuming sex. Yeah, I mean, he says, you know, we turn on some tunes and watch the air show, but he's also like talking like a really high person. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and you know, like he's like using his cheeseburger to illustrate the UFO and he's like, you know, and it flies right in and it just kind of puts the brakes on. <laughs> it's like, um, so anyway, while they're questioning these two teens, a uh, man pulls up outside the diner, looks in the window, talks to somebody on a radio. And uh, Seth Green is like, you know, and the UFOs come in and no no sound. Like, who turned off the sound, yo? And whatever else he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Mulder pulls out his picture that he bought from the lady at the diner. And he says to the kid, he goes is this anything like what you've seen? And Seth Green goes, no, that's exactly like what I've seen. <laughs> and then uh, they bring the kids home and Scully goes, come on, really deep. Come on. Like if I was that high, the things I would tell you, I mean, you could have pulled out a picture of a cheeseburger and he would have told you that's what he saw. <laughs> So, yeah, she doesn't believe two baked kids who were out listening to music and maybe sexing it up under the UFOs. <sighs> anyway, uh, and this is um, when Mulder pulls out another picture, kind of like the one he bought at the diner. And he says, you know, this is supposedly a picture of the UFO that crashed in Roswell. And Ellen's Air Force Base, where we are, is supposed to be one of the six places where parts of the wreckage from that UFO was shipped. So I think the Air Force is building planes that are made using UFO tech, alien technology. And he and Scully argue for a while about why or why not that's a ridiculous idea. Then they go back to their hotel and they get a message that the man that they were there to look for Colonel Budahas had come home in the night. So they rush over to his house and Mrs. Budahas answers the door and she's crying and she takes them indoors and brings them into the room where her husband's sitting. But she insists that that's not actually her husband. Yeah. It took me a minute during this thing. We could say, no, that's not my husband. And then like Mulder looks at a photo and looks at him and it looks exactly like him. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. And well, and then she ends up explaining that like just that that's not him, like it just doesn't seem like him. So Mulder starts to ask him questions, you know, like uh birthday. Birthday uh do you know who that is do you know your kids names uh you're a green bay packers fan huh you must remember this particular super bowl and you know he starts answering all the questions correctly and then Mulder says some uh aviation question about you know oh i got a friend that's a pilot he says such and such is possible at a sustained pressure of eight G's or whatever, you know, some yeah. technical thing that probably isn't possible. And uh, Colonel Budahas just is completely stumped. He doesn't even know what to say. And his wife starts crying even more and says, you know, see, I said it's not him. And he goes, no, I, I, I just can't remember. Like, I can't remember. And so Mulder says, oh, you know what I think happened? I think the military went into this man's brain and did a selective knowledge drain. I think that they left him with all the information about his life, but took all his technical information away. And Scully, we get another argument. Scully goes, nope, not even possible. And even if it was, like, what's the point of just taking away his technical knowledge? And Mulder says, no, no. They would do that because he's a security risk, because he had a psychotic break, because humans are incapable of flying this particular craft for an extended period of time. So they had to take that knowledge away before he started telling everyone about it. And while they're arguing about it in their car, the men in black show up. But this is essentially like if you think about what Mulder is um, talking about here with the selective knowledge taking away, there's not a neuralizer in this movie, but there are men in black suits and there is selective. I mean, it's essentially just the plot of like men in black rolling up and flashing the neuralizer yeah. in their face. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because what year was Men in Black? 95? Yeah, it was like 95, 96. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me and I'm not going to bother looking it up. But I know it was not too long after this. So it's almost like, huh, did they get that idea from the X-Files? Who knows? Probably not, but I'm going to say they did. Men in Black and X-Files, canonically together. They're in the same universe. That's a crossover I would watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down with that. And, of course, the men in black suits, they uh, stop Mulder and Scully. They pull them out of the car. They take the bullets out of their guns. They take Mulder's UFO pictures. They take the film out of his camera, and they say, go away, leave, don't come back. You're Just get out of here, national security, that kind of thing. And um, so when Scully tries to figure out who these men could have been by running their plates, uh, they're bogus plates, they're not registered to anybody, and Mulder says, you know what, we've been played, like they knew we were coming, the helicopter wasn't looking for those kids last night, it was looking for us, they knew we were there. And the only reason they sent Colonel Budahas home was that so we would go away. He's a decoy. I didn't tell you this, Scully, but uh, when we were back in D.C., I was approached by this guy who 
said it was dangerous to come here and someone was tapping my phone. So um, this is playing again into the cover-up going on that Mulder's believe for quite a while that the U.S. government doesn't want to expose extraterrestrial life on this planet. And Scully says, well, you know, why should they? Doesn't the government have a right to keep uh, important secrets? And Mulder says, yeah, but depends on, you know, but at what human cost? Like he thinks that it costs too many lives and stuff like that for the government to keep this secret, which is tying back, I assume, it he is just a reference to his sister Samantha. Yeah. Which is what the whole series is about. So Scully says, Nope, nope. Colonel Budahas is home. This case is closed. We're getting out of here. We're going back to Washington. And Mulder says, Fine. I'll go shower and pack. But he doesn't. He leaves. And we crash cut back to Seth Green. Scott! Um, <laughs> Why don't you just shoot him? I have a gun in my room. I could go get it. We could do. We could shoot him together. We could just do it. We could just father do it. son activity. Father son activity. Uh, I'll never. I mean, I know he's done a bunch of other stuff, but I'll never not think of Seth Green as Scott Evil. Yes. <laughs> um. So anyway, he's showing Mulder the hole in the fence, how to get into the secret part of the base. And Mulder goes in to look for whatever he can find. And uh, night falls and Mulder comes to a landing strip. And here comes the UFO. Dun, dun, dun. It's uh, shaped like a triangle, just like in his picture. Flies up, hovers over his head, goes away. And then here come the military police to chase Mulder. Dun, dun, dun. They surround him. Even more dun, dun, dun. And then put him on a stretcher and take him into custody in an ambulance. And give him an injection. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) They don't give him a hot love injection. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's a whole different movie. That's, uh, uh, that's, um, you're confusing Mulder with uh, David Duchovny's character on The Red Shoe Diaries. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Scully's trying to call Washington to say... Agent Mulder has gone missing. No phones in the hotel are working. This is a kind of a quick cut back and forth between what Scully and Mulder are doing because now it goes back to the base and Mulder is being wheeled through this hangar and he's kind of drugged. He can't tell what's going on, but he does catch a glimpse of the uh, weird triangle craft. Then it goes back to Scully and she's... uh, going back to her room and the reporter from earlier is in her room and he accidentally gets exposed as being air base security. He's actually with the military. And so he and uh, Scully have a fight and she gets the upper hand by grabbing a gun and the two teenagers roll up and she wants to know where Mulder is. And Seth Green says you know i took him to the base and we waited but like he didn't come out man so scully says come on get on your radio here mr airbase security man 
and call whoever's in charge and tell them we're coming to get Mulder or else I'm going to get every paper in the country out here to write about your weird airplane. And then it goes to the operating table. Mulder is having something done to him, some sort of weird medical procedure, which is pretty scary. Uh, anything? Anything? I will anything? say that. Um, well, sorry, I'm going pers- fast. Just jump yeah. in and cut yeah. me off. No, you're fine. Uh, oh. Like I do. I'm more. I, I I kind of focus because I I'm watching it very and I'm watching it like very fresh and mm-hmm. new and all stuff. Like so, I don't have too many things. I mostly just observe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did notice is in those jump cuts, while Scully and the is t- is forcing the guy the the reporter slash air security to yep. to the base like he like rubs his eye after um they show the scene where Mulder is getting something put in his eye so I don't oh, know if yeah. it, so I don't know if much if it's like a medical procedure as much as some, maybe a liquid that they put through the eye or something along those lines because it's Possible. definitely I'm like that. I'm like that. That can't be a coincidence. That's that. Something's there. Like something's there. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't really say like what it is, but you could be right. It could just be like whatever they put in his eye. Yeah. Somehow has something. I didn't think of that till you mentioned it. Because but. like, oh, like you would think on like if they did like some sort of surgery, mm-hmm. like they would leave some sort of scar somewhere. That's true. That's true. And in a minute, uh, we're now at the point where uh, Scully and the airbase security guy, they roll up on the base and uh, they're waiting there with the car running and a Jeep rolls up from inside the base and through the gate and Mulder gets out and he's just kind of like out of it. He's kind of, you know, staggering. He looks pretty worse for wear. And, uh, Scully in the, uh, you know, she gets in the driver's seat, Mulder gets in the passenger seat and they leave. Well, not before the airbase security man says to Scully something about, you know, what we're doing here is basically like we're right and you're wrong. You're the ones who were wrong here. We, our security is for a reason, but. They leave and Mulder realizes, you know, he, she says, are you okay? And he says, yeah, but uh, how did I get here? Like his memory is gone. So we know that something has happened to him. And when they get back to the Budahas house to check on Colonel Budahas, Mrs. Budahas won't even let them in the house. She just says, he's much better. He's resting. Go away and yeah. shuts the door. And Mulder gets mad because this is a conspiracy. They got to him. And Scully says, you know what? No, we don't have any idea what happened here. We can't confirm anything. That's what I'm putting in my report. And then it cuts to her report. And she says, you know, there's a little bit of narration about her saying all these claims that Agent Mulder makes are unsubstantiated. Basically, all we know is the colonel is home. Case is closed. And it cuts to Mulder running on a track and the mysterious man from the bar approaches him again. And he says, you know, you went out there and you saw all this stuff and now you're in danger. Uh, but I can help provide you with information as long as it's in my own interest. And Mulder says, well, what is your own interest? And the 
mysterious man says the truth. And that's when Mulder realizes, you know, he says, I did see something, didn't I? And they took it away from me. And uh, the mysterious man says, yep. Now, why do people like you who believe in extraterrestrial life on Earth not get dissuaded by evidence that there isn't? And Mulder says, because that evidence isn't good enough. And the man says, exactly. He agrees. And he turns to walk away and Mulder says to him, they're here, aren't they? And the man turns around and says, Mr. Mulder, they've been here for a long, long time. Credits. Yeah, this, I mean, this was a very interesting episode for a second episode because, like, there's definitely more questions than there were answers. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I keep going, um, Budapest, uh, uh, like, whole the whole lesions... Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing never got settled, but it's you no, know, it's part of the episode. Like you, you get more of the Scully and Mulder. Like you start mm-hmm. seeing the more developments of Mulder being more of a conspiracy theorist and being like super paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Scully keeps... trying to be the rational uh, uh, one. So it's cool to see that still build. Yeah, and Mulder, the the conspiracy part. I'll forewarn you and I'll forewarn anybody listening who is taking the journey for the first time. It gets uh, pretty crazy in some places in terms of like how complicated it gets. But for now, it's it's pretty good at eventually providing you some answers uh, and not being too complicated so yeah what you're saying about leaving this episode wanting to know more uh you'll get to it you'll find out more as it goes on which is pretty good so yeah um i will say there uh the whole like when Mulder lost his memory kind of deal i was like mm-hmm. why they only did why they only get take away his memory of him showing up at the uh, at the base instead of like the whole thing you know what I mean yeah I wonder if they only took away from the point he actually saw the craft forward because maybe it would be I don't know maybe it would end up providing more problems going forward somehow like if he could remember even less because if he remembered less people around him would notice him remembering less or something like that yeah I don't know I'm just hype I'm spitballing I don't know if that's even because it's not in the episode I'm just kind of going eh, maybe it's this <clears throat> don't know I mean yeah it just it's just a little. I just always found it. I just found that like a little weird. Like they do the trade off for the two for the two at the end, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Are you?" And they and Scully asked Mulder, "Like, are you all right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm all right, but I don't know how I got here." And I'm like, "I'm like, that seems kind of weird that if you don't want him <laughs> yeah. to, if you don't want him to dig further, you would take probably everything involving yeah. that instead of just oh." that or unless there wasn't like they had short term and long term and then nothing really mm-hmm. in between maybe yeah maybe and the weird uh the weird thing is is that technology that technique 
real quick, let me just scan through my memory. Yeah, that I don't think ever comes back. So I don't think it's like, um, you know, people's memories disappear in that manner frequently throughout the series. Well, so, all right just, then. Just a mystery. Don't know. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Going to keep that. Dun, dun, dun. No sound effects. Don't have time. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, all right. So any final thoughts and letter grade for season one, episode two, Deep Throat? I give this an A. Uh, I think okay. it's still building. It's, st- it's still doing a really good job building and getting more in-depth with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um Story-wise, it just felt more of of a mystery where it's like it you ended with more questions than you had answers, mm-hmm. which is part of the bigger picture. Um, it'll be interesting to see moving forward how everything else keeps connecting together. Um, yep. Still a little too early to tell, obviously, because there's only two episodes, for yep. me at least. So yeah, uh, I still really enjoy it. Give it an A. Can't wait to see what happens next. Yep, uh, I will also give this one an A. I think, uh, like I said last time, that this is basically just kind of like pilot part two where you kind of set up a little bit more about the overall conspiracy and about kind of what Mulder is about and what Scully is about and you introduce another major character so and the story is strong i like it it's not uh my favorite story although our next episode is going to be one of my favorites it's actually one of the all-time classics of the series uh people still talk about it which for being a season one episode and you're talking about one of the all-time classics is pretty good but uh for now yeah this episode definitely an a for me as well two a's for deep throat next week is an episode I actually think you're going to like quite a bit because it's more of a horror story than a sci-fi story. Uh, and it is, it is a Monster of the Week episode. It doesn't tie into the overall story. Next week's episode is Squeeze. I love that band. I know. We talked about them. <laughs> I made that joke already. <laughs> yes, that's all right. We'll probably make it again in the next episode. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Gonna... And I'm actually going to have to listen to the band Squeeze so that I know what you're talking about. <laughs> they only had, I, if I'm, I, hopefully it's the right band. Otherwise, I made this joke in complete, um, uh, in stupidness. Complete but I think they error. Do that, yeah. <laughs> hang on. I got, I got to know now. All right. Uh, well, well, I think, well, uh, well, you're figuring that out for yourself. I will say that just before we started recording, I was also listening to some ridiculous music. I was listening to the three songs recorded by the Beats from the TV show Doug. (laughs) Has no bearing on this episode. We're now just spitballing. Um, So I better close this out. But I'm going to close it. Oh, Squeeze. Yes. Okay. I'm in the... uh, I was right. Squeeze does a song, The Tempted by a Fruit of Another. Oh, now I know who you're talking about. Okay. Well, that will not have any bearing on next week's episode, and everyone will just have to figure out what we're talking about when they listen to the next one. Yes. Goodbye, folks. Later.
The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth, Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.